What's up, friends? I have an amazing interview for you guys today. I am so excited for you guys to hear this one. Julie Allen, I connected with her over social media, and my life is better for it. She is an author, an eating disorder awareness activist, and CEO of the Mary Rose Foundation and the Mary Rose Boutique in Portland, Oregon. Julie started the Mary Rose Boutique because she recognized the need for a clothing shop that focused on body acceptance, self-love, and helping bodies feel beautiful and confident in their clothes. With a portion of the proceeds going to the Mary Rose Foundation, the boutique actually won Best Online Boutique in Oregon in 2020. With a bachelor's in psychology and a background in physical therapy, Julie truly understands how the mind affects the body and vice versa. She struggled with anorexia and bulimia for 15 years, which she's going to dive into and share her story today. But as a result, she's made it her mission to empower people to love and embrace themselves wholeheartedly. The Mary Rose Foundation is a nonprofit designed to help people who are struggling with the financial burden of eating disorder treatment and work on the prevention side, as well as reaching out to other women through educational programs in school high schools, middle schools. This woman is just doing incredible work. Julie's message is simply one of strength, courage, and self-compassion, but most of all, hope. She has combined two of my absolute favorite things, which is fashion and eating disorder advocacy. As if all of that didn't make you want to hang out with her in her downtime, she enjoys lifting weights, going for walks, unplugging, and focusing on her family. Julie, you are someone I truly feel blessed to connect with today. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I am super jazzed to be here, so thank you so much. So I have to ask you, being a fashionista, what is your go-to outfit? Oh, I, okay. So I love dresses. Like (sighs) dresses are my absolute favorite. They're just, they're so easy to put on. Right. Mm -hmm. So I usually just wear a dress and if it's chilly, I'll put a little layering piece over it and that's it. it. It's like one piece and you're done. Right. And I minimal effort, minimal effort. Like I have two little children. I'm like, that is, it has to be minimal effort. So yes, dresses and then a cardigan or a denim jacket. Ooh, I like it. Are staples in my wardrobe. I love it. Now, when you do a dress, do you have like solid color dresses, floral dresses, patterns? I mean, or all of the above? All of the above, but my favorite is solids. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, I, I try to be a minimalist. In my head, I'm a minimalist. <laughs> um, my living room might say otherwise, but I really try to be more on the minimal side. So I love um, a solid or a very subtle print. I love that. I love that. I will say this last year, that was one of the quarantine projects I got into is cleaning out my closet and going to like more of a minimalist wardrobe. And I'm like you, like I try really hard, but I'm not sure I'd qualify. (laughs) I know. I was like, it's, it's baby steps, right? I know, but But there is something so simple about like a solid color and a denim something, right? It's just, I love it. I I think I yeah, I try and go like simple, simple pop. So that's kind of my, like, like my, like, uh, um, whatever that's called. Like your mantra here. Mantra. Yeah. When I'm dressing and like a pop, it can be my purse. It can be my shoes. It can be my jewelry. Oh, I love it. I love it. So So what do you like to pop pop. the most? Purses. Purses. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Or shoes. I'm a pop with the shoes. Actually, my husband recently got me into like tennis shoes. He started buying me funky tennis shoes for Mother's Day and my birthday. I know. I never would have gotten into them, I don't think, because I'm more of a heels girl. Yeah, same. And 
I'm, I'm kind of down with it. Like wearing the blazer with the tennis shoes. You oh, know? I love it. I love it. Like a blazer with a graphic tee is another yes. one of my favorite. It's yes. like elevated, but casual. Yes. I, I think it's a whole thing. Oh, I like it. I would like your closet. I think <laughs> It's fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm so excited for you coming on today and you just have an incredible mission that you're on and I'm really excited to dive into it. But before we dive into what you're doing, can you tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so growing up, I had an eating disorder. I suffered with anorexia and bulimia from the time I was about 13, 12 or 13 up until my mid 20s or so. Um, And that was, you know, that was a very difficult, difficult time in my life. Um, For lack of a better word, it was very hard. I actually don't remember a lot of that time, um, Mm -hmm. just because I was, you know, my, my brain was so starved, right? And I was just in and out of treatment the entire time. Um, But when I was in my early mid 20s, I, you know, I got to that point where I was like, I have to make a change, or I'm not going to make it out of it, right? And so I did, like it, it was as hard. It was so hard, but it was this very simple choice, right? Like Mm -hmm. you you do or you don't like you live or you die. Mm -hmm. And recovery has been incredibly challenging, but also very simple, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's every day I have to wake up and choose to not go back to my eating disorder or not, you know, not participate in whatever Mm -hmm. behavior I was, right? And so I decided to recover when I was in my mid twenties. Um, and then, you know, life continued on for several years and I was, I was doing all right and doing well. And then after I had my first baby about, he's four and a half now. So I had my first son, um, four and a half years ago and I went clothes shopping six weeks after I had him. He was my first kid. I did not know that was a horrible, horrible idea to do. Right. I was like, (laughs) it was, it was, it was so cute. I had no idea. Um, So I remember tells you, you. it should be like six weeks right before you have the baby. And then like, I don't know. I say, well, anyways, go on. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody tells you, right. Nobody tells you. And so here I am, I'm going to go shopping. Right. Uh, No. And so I remember being in that fitting room. With my husband was in there with me and our newborn six week old son and nothing fit, right? Like mm-hmm. nothing fit. And like, I'm so hormonal and so just like distraught, and exhausted, exhausted. <laughs> and I was just started crying. I was like, I can't do this. And I blah, 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 blah. Um, but the messages, what stuck out to me at that moment was like the messages that were around me in the fitting room, in the store, like in all the stores in the mall that I was in, was that something was wrong with my body, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. nothing fit me that it wasn't because I just had a baby. It was because I personally did something wrong, right? Mm. Like, which is what diet culture teaches us, right? And so it was at that moment, I told my husband, I was like, okay, I'm going to open up my own clothing store. And it's going to be different than that. And he didn't. It was a year. (laughs) It was a year later, just under a year that we officially launched our boutique. So we, from the get-go, really focused on being size inclusive and just celebrating celebrating people in all bodies because no matter what body we live in we all have had you know we all live in the same diet culture obsessed Mm -hmm. society and so it it's always been very important to me to be size inclusive and 
we work really hard to represent people in our bodies. We have a long ways to go um, on our representation, um, but we are, it's at the forefront of our minds and we continually striving to represent more people in more bodies because all bodies are beautiful and all of us deserve to feel that way. Well, and I think something as simple as shopping, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, for you and me, I'm a shopper, huge shopper. I love to do it, but I think so many women can relate to that moment in a dressing room where it's like all of the inadequacies just pile on. And, you know, I think it's cool that you've taken something that should be a form of in a way self-care and found a way to make it comfortable and safe and welcoming for everyone. Yeah, we have um, what I call the affirmation rare in our in our physical storefront is just in Oregon City, Oregon. So just right outside of Portland. And we have um, our affirmation mirror. So mm-hmm. prior prior to the pandemic, we would let anybody just write um, affirmations on there. Like you are strong, you are beautiful, you know, you're your body is a good body, whatever it was at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now our staff does it just because of the pandemic. Um, But so when people come out of the fitting room, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, Oh my gosh, I don't like this. I don't like this tearing themselves apart. Mm -hmm. They see that mirror. And I, I know that it's so ingrained in us to still tear ourselves apart, but at least people that are shopping in our storefront see those positive messages. Yeah. So they can work on rewriting the narrative. That's yeah. Awesome. That's something um, I work in an eating disorder clinic. And that's one of the things we do is we write affirmations, same thing on the mirror yep. because yeah, we're so it's like the, the script runs as yep. soon as you see yourself in the mirror and how cool that you're doing it in that setting. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that um, you guys do that in the eating disorder treatment. And I was you know, thinking like that, we did that too, back when mm-hmm. I was in eating disorder treatment and I never really connected the dots, but that must've been where I got that idea from. Cause I do yes. remember, um, being told to do that, like write positive things to yourself yeah. on the mirror. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it's a great idea for everyone, not just with eating disorders. Like oh, we actually totally. started doing this with yeah. my kids, my boys. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. great. Like my boys are taking this, um, this class and they're talking about, um, kind of like, you know, their attributes and what they were created to do. Yep. And so we started writing it on the mirror. Like you are brave, you are strong. You know, we yes. started, and I'm like, this is great for everyone. Everyone Absolutely. should wake up with a, positive message on their mirror. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, I'm going to do that again. I used to do that for my kids. I would write it on the mirror in the morning, Um, but I'm going to start doing that again. I know. You (laughs) You bet. We're going to start a wave of like people with dry erase markers in their purse, writing positive messages on bathroom mirrors. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How so cool would that be? Like, it'd be awesome. I mean, oh my gosh, that makes me so happy. I'm going to start doing that. I know, right? It doesn't hurt anything. In other places. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it comes right off. You are beautiful. You Uh are badass, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love it. Let's see what happens. Yeah, okay. That's cool. That's very Report cool. We'll do, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll hashtag our, or link us. If you guys do it on social media, yeah. tag us, send it to oh, us. Oh, I love it. I love it. So going back to your story, Julie, you, it sounds like, you know, you lived in the eating disorder space for a while and then kind of got to a point where you're like, I can't keep doing this. So yeah. tell me about that moment that moved you to fight your eating disorder. Yeah, this one is actually still kind of painful for me to talk about because it's, it's embarrassing. You know, okay. when you live in an eating disorder or um, I'm, I'll liken it to addiction as well, like you do things that are just not you. And, you know, being out of it, you realize what the hell, right? Yeah. So it's still, you know, I, 
but I'm, I'm a very big advocate in there's no shame around mental health. And I really want to normalize these kind of conversations where it's like, yeah, I did some pretty bad things, Mm -hmm. but you know what? That doesn't make me a bad person. That means I was really in my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And so the moment for me, when I knew that I had to recover, I was in the middle of a a really bad relapse. Um, I was in my early twenties and I, when I was 18, I was raped. And so that like that, that like went from the eating disorder was bad Mm -hmm. to the eating disorder was like fueled by this self-hatred. Like I hated myself and I just trauma so much. Right. And I didn't care what happened to me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it was, you know, from, from bad to way worse. Yeah. And so when I was in my early twenties, I was babysitting my cousins who were twin one-year-old girls and my sweet little uh, cousin who was four years old and he was disabled. He could, um, he since passed away, but he couldn't, he couldn't talk. Oh, he, it, very tragic. Um, yeah. he, ne- he never typically developed. Okay. And I'm so, sorry. It, yeah, I mean, this was. 15 years ago, which is just mind blowing to think about. Um, but he, he could walk, but he couldn't articulate what mm-hmm. articulate anything. Right. So, I mean, I was babysitting them twin one-year-olds and a four-year-old who was disabled. Okay. I had no business babysitting them in the height of my eating disorder, mm-hmm. but I was right. Those, those were my babies too. And oh, I love them so much. Um, but I remember I ate something and God forbid I eat something and don't immediately do something to rid myself of that. And so I remember locking myself in the bathroom Mm -hmm. with the babies and Matthew was banging on the door, the four-year-old. And I just remember saying like, I'll I'll be out in a minute, buddy. I'll be out in a minute. And I locked myself in there. I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And he's banging on the door the whole time. And I'm just like, it's okay. It's okay. I'll be out in a minute. And I remember um, finishing up and just like looking at myself in the mirror being like, who the hell is this person? Like, I love those kids. Yeah. And here I was putting, putting them in jeopardy for my eating disorder. And it was at that moment, I was like, no, like that is, that is not who I am. That is not who I want to be. I love those kids and I'm putting them in danger. So it was maybe a month after that, that I checked myself in um, to a wow. residential treatment center up in Canada, um, which was the first time I went into treatment willingly. Wow. It was a big, big deal for me. Cause prior to that I was underage. And so it was my parents putting me in treatment, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it was that moment when I was like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. And wow, I can't. Well, first of all, there's so much power in your vulnerability. So thank you for sharing all of that. And it's really cool to hear how it was almost like stepping outside of yourself for a minute and looking at like these babies. Yeah. Like it's yeah. impacting them. And Ugh, I have goosebumps actually. I know it's I like, do too. <laughs> it's still, you know, 15, I don't remember how many years later, but it's still hard to talk about. It's yeah. like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Nobody wants to admit some things that they do, but it's, it's like, we have to break that stigma. We have to break mm-hmm. that shame around mental health because mm-hmm. If I look at my life now, like, I don't think anybody would guess that I did the things that I did. Right. And so if they're still in that, they're going to be, you know, I don't want anyone to feel ashamed of 
of their past of their behaviors because it's not you. Like for me, it was my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and the shame paralyzes us. And I, I so appreciate, you know, again, your vulnerability and willing to sh- willingness to share because it is scary. And I share this openly on here. I struggled with bulimia for many years, but it is, it's still scary every time we, like I talk yeah. about it, I always say like vulnerability hangovers are real. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. But I think you're right. Like breaking some of those barriers and having the discussions is so important because the reality is so many women have been in that exact space and done things that we are like, who is that? Who did that? You know, I cannot believe that was me. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so cool to talk about. I mean, I'm like you, I'm kind of an open book and we just talk about it and hoping and praying it opens doors for other women to face some of those struggles. So thank you for sharing all of that. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it's like if we can, you know, I just want to let people know they're not alone, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it can feel so, it feels so isolating, mm-hmm. so lonely, and so, you know, demoralizing, really. Yes, I think that's actually the biggest eating disorder lie beyond, you know, my body isn't worthy. And yeah. uh, it's it's that you are alone in this and yes. that you are not nobody understands how you feel. Cause that could not be farther from the truth. And everybody's yeah. story of course is unique and different, but the reality is the struggles. There are so many people that can empathize and relate who've done some of the deep, dark things that nobody wants to admit. Like many of us have done them. Yep. Yep. And there's, you know, there shouldn't be any shame in it. Mm-mm. No, it's, you know, you do what you do and you move on and yep. you learn. It's like, you know, better and you do better. Like yep. that is just, that is life. And it does not do us any good to beat ourselves up mm-hmm. over the past. I mean, wh- what's it going to do? Right. And I love that about your story. Cause it's like, it sounds like once you came to this realization, like I can't keep doing this, there was like a sense of self-responsibility Yeah, and then checked yourself into a clinic and then look what it catapulted. I know, into. <laughs> I know. it's, it's, it's really awesome. Like if I look back, like I'm really freaking proud of myself. I don't yeah. think any shame in saying that either, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, use, I don't want to say use your struggles, but they do. Yeah. They really can inspire you to move forward in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Well, and a lot of the experiences we go to, and this kind of ties into my personal beliefs and my values, but I believe all things can be morphed into the good, right? Yeah. And we can take all things to, build a better world around us, but there has to be some of that healing that we allow ourselves to have. And I believe that because when it was my own experience, and then I have the pleasure of sitting down as a career, talking to people like you who have done this and who have taken pain and suffering and turned it into incredible things because they, they know what it's like to hurt. They know what it's like to be there. And that's one of the things you've done Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about your Mary Rose foundation that you've started, because this is beyond like helping women feel good in fashion. And when they're shopping, you've taken it a step farther. So tell us a little bit about the Mary Rose foundation. So the Mary Rose foundation is our nonprofit. We started it about six months or so after we started the boutique. So it's about, I think we're just coming up on our third anniversaries for the foundation. And it is, it's a 501c3 nonprofit that helps fund people's treatment for eating disorders. <clears throat> Excuse me, frog in my throat. Um, so yeah, we help fund people's treatment for eating disorders. Um, very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. Eating disorder treatment is holy mackerel, Mm -hmm. so expensive. And 
the financial barrier is just one of the barriers to treatment. Right. Yeah, um, not even to talk about the emotional yeah, and mental. Um, like there's a lot of barriers. Yeah. We'll just narrow it down right now yeah. to the financial barrier. And I was so fortunate in my life that my parents, um, they took out a second mortgage on their house to pay for my treatment. Wow. I'm so thankful that they did that. But I, I know that that is not an option for a lot of people. And so our foundation works to uh, provide treatment scholarships for people that are in need. So in 2020, I, I am, a, I'm like so proud of this in 2020 in a pandemic year, we were able to give out three scholarships. Wow. Yeah. And that like, so a portion of all sales at the boutique is donated straight to the uh, okay. nonprofit, which is which is what provides the um, treatment scholarships, right? We also do events, but obviously haven't done those in a couple of years at this point. Um, but yes, so a portion of all sales at the boutique donated to the nonprofit. And that's how we were able to give three scholarships in 2020. And it wow. just oh, makes me happy. And yeah. something else that's super cool this year is the launch of our education program. Oh, tell me more yes, about this. Yes. So in the beginning of the school year, we're actually... We're set to launch in October. That's kind of our first date because uh, school actually doesn't start in Portland until like mid-September. What? So like, I know. I, My boys started this week. What? I know. I, they started early, but still, I'm like, it's yeah. July. It, that's way too, that's that's very early. Yeah. Ours start very late uh, this year. <laughs> that's amazing. Very late. Yeah. Um, so we're doing, um, at our local high school, we are doing a kind of like a girls club empowerment. So we're really going to try and focus on, you know, self-esteem, building these young people identifying mm -hmm. as women up and just really hoping to provide young people with tools that can hopefully prevent eating disorders and all the other things that are yeah. go along with low self-esteem and you know all of that and our goal is to grow the program we're starting in the local high school this year just because we have contacts there um, the goal is going to be in middle school middle school age as well because that's just such a pivotal time oh, yeah. for girls in particular I you know that's just a really, really tough time I, like I think of myself in middle school and if I could go back oh I mean talk about insecurity like you don't know what's happening with your body it's so much and then it's boys so are mean it's so bad yeah it's just like the worst for absolutely uh, so oh. this is incredible so tell what does the education look like I mean is it a group is it lecture based what what's it going to look like yeah so we are doing um a lunchtime kind of club kind of thing so cool. we really it's important to us to have like this student-led um, student-led curriculum almost because you don't want to make it curriculum because then kids aren't going to do it right mm -hmm. so we have this amazing um, director of education that actually implemented a program in our local high school last year called no place for hate which is just focused on loving people right oh, and awesome. so yeah it's so awesome and so we're kind of using that a very similar um like club-based model with the students being able to like oh, um, participate in discussions and we want them to be able to actually do tangible things too to help so you know it's still in the very early stages but we're all we're still on track to launch in October so That's very very awesome. excited about that yeah. yeah I mean talk about helping women at such a crucial moment 
And when it comes to eating disorders, I mean, you know this, but prevention is so key because we're going to face, well, women are going to face those insecurities, diet culture, all of the, the not enoughness, no matter what, but if we can equip them with some of the tools from the beginning, that's good work. That's amazing. You know, it's because, you know, eating disorders are very complicated, right? Mm -hmm. They're caused Mm -hmm. by a combination of biological, psychological, sociology, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So we can't affect the biology, right? affecting the psychology is a little bit harder as well. Mm -hmm. Right. But here's what we can impact. We can impact what they learn in our society. Mm -hmm. And like, I am so tired of diet culture. I am so tired of hearing person after person tell me that they're not good enough. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it is, it is like universal in our society. Mm -hmm. it's not okay. It's not okay. It's like, Uh, yeah, it's crippling. I mean, you, and I know you've experienced this too, where you meet these women and you're like, gosh, you're amazing. And you see all these wonderful things, but they're so gripped by that. I'm not enoughness mm-hmm. that it just paralyzes them. And Absolutely. the world misses out because of it. I mean, that's what my whole podcast is fuel your awesome or fuel her yeah. awesome. Right. It's like, yep. let's get rid of diet culture. Let's pull away some of this like web that's entangled you and get back to why you're awesome. Cause the world needs that. Like I, everybody's got a gift and that not enough syndrome really steals from it. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned diet culture, Julie, and you're doing some incredible things in your boutique with this foundation um, to really, really fight it. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in your boutique in terms of sustainability, the brands you're using? Yeah. So, okay. So our boutique's been around three and a half, four years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we started online only. And then we moved into our first brick and mortar store just outside of Portland um, about a year after we opened. Okay. So this is now we're at 2018 ish. We're doing great in store, still have the online. Okay. Here comes 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to totally shut down the storefront, right? Totally shut it down. And thank goodness we had online decently established. So we just went fully online and that is what it was or you know what I mean. And so we did a lot of what is called fast fashion in Mm. 2020. Fast fashion is mass production of clothing at low cost and low quality. Okay. Okay. One thing about fast fashion that is really good is that it is size inclusive. Mm. So trying to find brands that were are ethical that are also inclusive in sizing, very, very challenging. Okay. So regardless, we were doing a lot of fast fashion in 2020. It kept our business afloat during the pandemic. I don't, you know, it kept our staff employed. It, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. Right. But there came a point and it was December of 2020, January, 2021, that. I looked around our warehouse. We had about a 5,000 square foot warehouse in addition to our storefront. And I looked around that warehouse and I saw plastic everywhere, right? So mm-hmm. when the clothes came, came to us, they would come wrapped in plastic. Each individual piece was wrapped in a, like a sheet of plastic and also hung on a plastic hanger, mm-hmm. like exponential amounts of plastic. 
And I remember just thinking, and I do nothing. I knew nothing about ethical fashion at this point. And I was like, that's not okay. Like we had a whole corner in the warehouse, like dedicated to garbage because our like trash area was not big enough to hold all the garbage. So we had to like keep putting it in there slowly, but it just kept coming and coming, right? Like so much plastic, so much garbage. And so I was like, that's not okay. Like something, like something didn't feel right. And so I go home and I start researching like, okay, what is fashion's contribution to the environmental issues? Just things like that. Right. And it was like light bulb. I was like, oh my gosh, like fashion is bad. There is so like, it is the third biggest contributor to the overall waste and pollution in our world. Really? What's number one and two? Um, I actually don't remember. I have to, that is a good question. I I did know, I did know when I was like initially researching this. I'm going to look that fashion's up. number three, huh? fashion's number three. Jeez. Yeah. So what that means is we've got like three big issues with fashion. Okay. We've okay. got un- unethical treatment of employees. Mm-hmm. So like people that work in factories, like child labor that actually still exists. Yeah. I worked in fashion for years. I was like, that doesn't actually happen. Like I, I, I had to remove myself. Like, no, 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 there's no way. There's no way, you know, yeah. child labor made this garment. Right. Okay. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the pollution. So oftentimes um, the cheaper materials, um, polyester is kind of the biggest, um, biggest offender here. It's plastic. Mm-hmm. So when they're manufacturing the garments, it's, it's emitting, um, emitting a ton of chemicals into the environment, oh, wow. which are breathing this all in. Then you've got landfills. So much waste goes into landfills. I that had was no a, idea. That I was a no idea. That noise. Sorry. I had no idea either. I worked in the industry for four years. I had no idea. So the average American throws away 81 pounds of clothes a year. What? 80 throws away. That's not like donates. That's not give to a friend. That's not recycle. That's throw away in the garbage oh into the landfills. Gosh. Like it is not good. And so I'm like thinking I, in my head, how much oh do I throw gosh. away? I'm like trying oh, I to know. vision. I know I could see though. I mean, you, yeah. Cause you stain things or yep. oh my God. Yeah. And like, so 2020 really opened our eyes up to a lot of things, I think. But the biggest thing that I, that I took away from it was, or I'm taking away from it since we're still, we're still doing it. Yeah. Um, the actions of one impact us all. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, we, we're a small business, like, it's so easy to think like, okay, my actions don't really matter on a grand scale. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, I throw away a lot of plastic here. I'm, you know, buying from these brands that, oh, maybe they use child labor, maybe not. I don't really know, actually. But I'm a small business, so it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. Wrong actions of one impact us all. Mm -hmm. And we saw that so clearly with the pandemic. Like Mm -hmm. it has never been more like, oh my gosh, the actions of one impacted our global society, the global society. So I I made the decision to just switch. I was like, we cannot do this. Like, we need, like, we need to demand more from the brands that we are shopping with. Like, and, and for us, it was the brands that we chose to carry. Okay. We, we cut out, I think we kept one vendor out oh, of, wow. we had well over 30 vendors, like wow. well over 30. And yeah, we, we just we 
we're not going to work with them. Like I was like, okay, yeah, it was, it's been a really hard year. I'm not going to lie. It's been, it's been hard because our entire business was built on fast fashion. And so our, you know, 10,000 followers were all fast fashion. (laughs) And so trying to rebuild and, you know, shout from the rooftops. I'm like, something is broken. Yeah. But talk about living within your values and what's most important to you and really doing it at all costs. And, uh, you know, I keep going back. I've been talking to several women. I've actually done several interviews today and we keep coming back to the Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. Like what's going on with her? Like talk about putting your values and what you want, your impact you want to have on the world first. Yeah. And like not worrying about the expectations yep. that are attached to you. So your 10,000 followers, it's like, yeah, you worked really hard to get there, but if you're not living within your values, yep. it's not What's worth it. Like, yeah. Simone yep. Biles, you know, if she's not living within her values, her mental health is compromised. It's not worth it. Even if it's exactly. the Olympics. Yep. I love it. I freaking love it. Exactly. She gives me chills. I, I know. I, like, I love her. I love I her so much. <laughs> I know. I'm so amazed by her, but yeah. I think that's amazing because you were willing to take on the challenge because you knew this isn't right. I've got to do more. I've got to do what I can do to live within what I believe in, which is amazing. Yeah. And we like, we have to, you know, change starts small Mm -hmm. and it starts with like one person, two people, three people being willing to like cause that ripple, you know, like the fashion industry needs to change. Mm -hmm. And if me as a storefront, continues to buy from brands that are not ethical in their production or whatnot like we vote with our dollars Mm -hmm. right like I'm supporting that Mm -hmm. and so it's been really it's very important to us now to know exactly where our pieces are coming from what what the material is made out of, how is the material, you know, the excess material disposed of. Um, there's just, there's so much to it that I had no idea. Like that's not talked about. Right. Yeah. And, I would have never thought of all of uh-uh. that. I, I mean, didn't either. And I work in the industry. Yeah. Like that's, and I've been, you know, I've been to so many markets and so many, um, just places where all the fashion brands go together and, and nobody asks. Right. Nobody asks, hey, who who made that? Who made your who made your outfit? Well, yeah, because we're not thinking of that when we're shopping, uh-uh. right? Like we're so caught up in our own stuff. Like, yeah. does this look good? But you're doing the work for your customers. Like you're making sure that what you offer is in alignment with those values. Yes. And yes. I love your your statement or your mantra is that the the actions of one impacts the actions of others. And so many, I just think that's amazing. And what's really cool about that is like an eating disorder world. And when someone struggles with an eating disorder, we believe we're not enough. We're not worthy. Like we don't matter. Like there's that giant lie. And again, here you are, like you challenged it, faced it and have like bought in and believed that no, what I do matters and are yeah. using that for the good. Yeah. It's so, so it's cool so to possible. see. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, if, if anyone is still in that eating disorder um, or what, whatever it is, because it's all, it's all connected, whatever your place is, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it really is possible. 
It really is. Yeah. So you are such a success story here. And I think it's so cool. And I'm hoping through the Mary Rose Foundation, you're getting to view that more and more and see other women come to the place you're at. I mean, what would you say to someone who's in that space right now that you were in maybe pre bathroom Mm -hmm. incident where like, you're still like, I can do this. I can, I can keep hiding. You know, I can, I'm just going to live this way. I spoke with a woman just the other day who said I've accepted that my eating disorder is just how I'm going to live. Like, what would you say to someone in that space? I know I'm putting you on the spot. This is not on the questions. I know it's good. I would tell them that it doesn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm. That's good. I think that I, I was at that point too, when it was just, it is what it is. You know, I was sick for about 15 years and I had just kind of accepted the fact that that was going to be my life. Um, but guess what? It got worse. Like eating disorders in particular, um, stop working mm-hmm. eventually and you require more and more of the same bad behavior to get that same feeling or the mm-hmm. same, um, what, whatever it is that you are using your eating disorder for. Like for me at towards the end, it was like blocking out the rape and all of that. Um, my behaviors had to increase in order mm-hmm. for me to not feel the things that I didn't want to feel. So it stops working mm-hmm. and there's so much more to life and I know how scary it is. It's terrifying to let go of that eating disorder. Cause that for me was such a safe cocoon, right? Like I remember I journaled throughout my entire um, eating disorder and I remember writing, like, I don't care what happens to me. Mm. As long as I can starve myself, I'm okay. Wow. Wow. And, yeah, it's, it's this, it's this blanket of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is so much better being recovered or in recovery. It is, I've got two little boys now, a one-year-old and a four-year-old, mm-hmm. and they are just like, I, I honestly didn't know if I was going to be able to have kids. Right. Yeah. And my babies are just uh, don't get me wrong. They are a handful, oh, yeah. but they love. Yes. You know, they are love. And ah. it's just, it's, it's so much better than I could imagine. Oh, you know, yes. And so when I was like making that choice, like, can I really recover? Do I want to recover? I kind of like this. This is very, very safe here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it is so freaking worth it. And now yes. with the business and the nonprofit, it's, I really do feel like I'm able to make a difference. Right. Um, so I tell people it's worth it. And it doesn't have to be like that. Like, I promise it doesn't have to be like that. Never thought I'd get better. Never. And here you are. I, here, I just yeah. got chills because it's, yeah, it's so cool here. I, I tell that to clients day in and day out. Like, let me tell you something. On yeah. the other side, it's freaking awesome. Yeah. It is. I had no idea life could be this good. Yep. And it's worth the risk. To, it's worth the risk. Yes. To try. Yeah. I can relate to that on so many levels. I have two boys too. Yeah. And they're crazy. Oh but I gosh. love how, them so much. How old are yours? Mine are six and um, five. He just turned five. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so Little, they, yeah. They're my babies and they, I know what you mean. It's like 
when you don't, when you can't give yourself that love, right. When you can't accept love yourself because you're in that eating disorder space, it's really hard to imagine a life with a healthy relationship and a family. And I remember I've never been one that was like, I want to get married and have kids. Like I knew I just, I knew I wanted to get married eventually, but I, and when it came to kids, I knew I didn't not want kids. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, I wanted them. It was just like, I, I know when I'm 80, I'm going to wish I had them. So yeah. <laughs> like, right. I think yeah. eventually, but yeah, having those little nuggets, like, Oh, the love for them is so big. And I just think that it's amazing. Isn't it, it is. It's amazing. And it kind of, I look back and if I could go back to my eating disorder self, I would just tell her like, you gotta, you gotta push through this. Hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. There is going to be so much love in your life in the future, yeah. but you've got to be open to it. Yeah. And uh, I think another thing that was really hard for me was that I, you know, attempted recovery Mm -hmm. many times before. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was really scared like Mm. that. I was, even if I wanted to get better, I was really afraid that the eating disorder was too, too strong. Like it was just too much of a part of me that I was going to fail. Like, and that, you know, kind of is that whole eating disorder logic, right. Of like, I'm going to fail, but right. Like the self-fulfilling prophecies that we create. Yeah. 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 And I that, just, I'm so glad you brought that up though. Cause I, there, I'm thinking of like a handful of women right now that I'm so excited for them to listen to this and hear your story of triumph, because I think that right there is another major obstacle that people get into is yeah. Yeah. But what if I fail? And that's the perfectionism stuff yep, and the, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The not enoughness, but, oh. and it's like, just try, just try one more time. Right. You know, it's like, don't give up. Right. Cause yeah, I was in moments of suicidal, you know, suicidalness, suicidalness, excuse me. Um, and it's like, just don't give up. Just like try one more time to Mm -hmm. make it through. Mm -hmm. And And here here you are. are. I know. And I'm like, and here you are with your, your inner, I call it your inner awesome. Your inner awesome has done so much and is serving women in so many different ways from the Mary Rose foundation to your boutique, to the education, the sustainable fashion. I mean, you have more missions than most people will have in a lifetime. I know. I was actually talking to one of my mentors and I was like, am I doing too much? (laughs) I love it all. Like, are you kidding? We have to talk about all this stuff. Yes. This is all so important. So yeah. Well, when you light that fire, it's like, you got to run with it. You've got to run oh, with yeah, it, right? Yeah, big, big fire running very fast. Yes. yes it's <laughs> awesome. It's so with awesome. a very good support team. Let me tell you. Yeah. Like, like that's the biggest thing. Like I have the best team, like the best staff that's like, great. ever at the boutique and with the foundation. So like, don't do it all yourself. Just, yes. Right. You know. Get good, good teams yeah. together. There's, I agree with that. Now I want to make sure everyone knows how they can contribute to the Mary Rose foundation, because it's such a need. And I see that time and time again, where people just don't have the resources to get treatment. And, you know, it's, it's really hard because to treat an eating disorder, we need so much education. Like it took me, what did it take me eight years to get my credential to be an eating disorder registered dietitian and a lot of money, like master's degree, supervision, board exam. I mean, it took a lot. And so part of why it's so expensive is because the clinicians treating this require so much education. And so it's really hard. Right. And then, yeah, so it's just the whole systems are challenge. It's a challenge and it needs work, but but in the meantime, we are affecting change where you can, which is with this foundation. So people who are interested, how can they help and how they can they contribute to the Mary Rose foundation? 
So our website for the foundation is maryrosefoundation.org. And if you go onto the website, you can learn a lot more about us and you can find a um, donate now button. And it's cool too, because the website, the way we have it set up is you can either choose to donate to our education program Mm -hmm. to help fund that, or you can donate to treatment scholarships. So it's really like your choice of where you want your donation to impact. Awesome. Awesome. And I will definitely link all of that in the show notes. So everyone has quick access to it. And then as far as your boutique goes, if we want to find the, we're not, if I'm not in Oregon, how can I find your boutique? Yes. So our um, Instagram and website is just maryrose.boutique. So okay. if you do maryrose.boutique on Instagram, you'll find us or on the website, you'll find us there as well. So okay. thank you. Awesome. Oh, and you know, a question I, I totally forgot to ask this. Why Mary Rose? It's my mom's middle name. I love it. So my mom was, has always been, um, my biggest champion, like my biggest support. And if it, if it weren't for my mom, I know I would not be here. Like I just, I mean, they saved my parents, both my parents saved my life multiple times with putting, admitting me to the hospital and whatnot. Um, but yeah, my mom is just, I, it sounds a little cliche and she's listening. Um, but my mom is my best friend. She really is. Yeah, I know. I know. I love her so much. So I named the boutique after my mom. And I love that. And I, I so appreciate that. It is. That's so wonderful to hear. And I think probably takes a lot of pressure. One of the things I've noticed in treatment world is moms tend to take on a lot of the blame of eating disorders when their daughters get it. And sometimes they are blamed. Yeah. And, you know, regardless of whether or not it's true, I think it's important to acknowledge that our moms can be, I mean, my mom, same thing. Mm-hmm. She, both my parents, I am so blessed to have them. My number one supporters. And that's really cool. That's yeah. awesome. So yep. Her name, her middle name's Mary Rose. Yep. Yep. Okay. Her middle name's Mary Rose. Yeah. Awesome. That's and what's, what is your favorite thing you have up on your store on your boutique right now? Oh my gosh. Any of the dresses by field day, because mm. they all have big pockets. Oh, that's awesome. Like huge pockets. Okay. But they're all like in, into, into the dress, like so perfectly the other day, I didn't have enough hands. I had mm-hmm. like three drinks because why wouldn't I have three drinks? <laughs> right? Right. I have my coffee. I have my water. I have whatever else I had. Right. I so relate to you. I so relate to that. <laughs> I put two of my drinks in my pockets. I was like, I am this a amazing. I am so smart. <laughs> I love it. So yes, field day dresses. Are, okay, cool. Uh, well, we group. will. That's so cool. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today, Julie. I will be sure everything is in the show notes so people can find you on Instagram, your store and the Mary Rose Foundation. Thank you for what you do. Keep up the amazing work. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. I really appreciate chatting with you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome, Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.